Isaiah chapter 40, starting with verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Thank God. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, I am believing, God, that you're going to take the few words that we will speak here this morning, and, Lord, you're going to penetrate them into the heart of every person. I'm praying, God, that everyone would be, uh, their senses and their awareness would be heightened as they listen to this because, Lord, it's just not, it's just not me up here uh, saying some things, but Lord God, this is based upon your holy word, and God, we're believing that it's going to uh, be a benefit to every person that hears. We're praying, God, that you would uh, quieten every baby, that you would uh, stir every person uh, to good works. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, Kay took our niece, who we are now... Boy, you know, I thought well, I was done with teenagers, but now here we got a teenager <laughs> living with us again. And uh, I took our niece up to Champaign, and there, uh, Candace, who lives in Chicago, she met them at Champaign, and then from there took, took uh, uh, Jaden to Chicago. So been living up there for the last week, and uh, authentic Mexican, and authentic this, and authentic that. <laughs> You can get all of that at Fairfield or <laughs> Mount Vernon. My view is I, if I can't get it at Walmart, I don't need it. <laughs> and it, I don't know, Kay finally got home around whatever time it was, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock that night. And here's what she told me. Mark, that was a good sermon today. And I said... Not the first part, not the first part. I preached last week on the 12-foot shuffle, and I knew I was going to use three illustrations, and I knew my second illustration was going to do with an elephant, and I knew my third illustration was going to be Harry Houdini. And for some reason, I was stuck on this elephant. So my first illustration Instead of it being a bear like it should have been, it was an elephant. And halfway through me telling this story of a 12-foot by 12-foot cage, that if it instead of it being a circus bear, I started off talking about being a circus elephant. And halfway through, I'm thinking, well, now how could an elephant walk 12 feet? and turn around and walk 12 feet. And then I thought, now wait, do I, do I straighten all this up now? Or do I just go ahead and go and charge right on through? So I just went right on through, thinking there's people that's picked up on this. Or Now how could this be an elephant? Is he lying to us? That's like Jeff Hurtenstein years ago. Uh, him and his family went down through uh, 
Uh, oh boy, what's the name of that place? It's somewhere in Alabama. Uh, Enterprise, Alabama. And I've told that story a number of times about the boll weevil and how that there's a, a, a monument to a boll weevil right there in the middle of town. And he's seen that and brought back pictures and and uh, Dave Ord had seen that years later and brought back pictures and, and basically he was saying, Orr was saying, man, the preacher's not lying to us. These places are really here that he's talking about. <laughs> so it was not an elephant, it was a bear. Every Sunday morning, I mess up. Every Wednesday night, I mess up. Not every other, every time. <laughs> when I hear people say, oh, I don't know if I could ever get up and give a testimony, I might say something wrong. And I always think, there's no might about it. You will. <laughs> but it's the people that go ahead and do it anyway. Every, again, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, there's got to be a restoring process that has to happen in my life. I preach to where you just really get to going and going and going. It's, a, it's incredible what you can do when the, when, and say when the Spirit of God is on you. I'll just have to say that. I have preached to when I, I went like this one time. No, I was facing this way. I went like this, and my thumb caught my glasses and slung them way over there. So it's, wait a minute. And then you start back again. I've got up to preach when the white shirt that I was wearing was hanging out of my unzipped zipper like a flag. <laughs> and it's got to be, I mean, that, 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 can, that could, a lesser man, they would never preach again. They would just say, <laughs> I preach when my nose start bleeding. First time that happened, I, well, my nose is bleeding. I got to quit. The second time that happened to me, I'd already made up my mind. The devil ain't going to beat me out of this. I'd already had two pieces of wadded up tissue paper. And man, I just went like that and went right on preaching. <laughs> and nobody could tell you to this day what my message was about. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I mispronounced people's names. I have said the wrong names. I have tried to say two words together and it come out terribly wrong. <laughs> so wrong, in fact, that the moment that I said it, every teenager went, what? <laughs> Don't remember a word I said before that. Don't remember a word I said after that. They remember that. And then I had people calling me up later on that day. Uh, preacher, did you understand that you said, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. 
Eric Fairfield years ago, there was a guy by the name of Harry Butts. He was an evangelist. He came through preaching, and he had three girls that always sang with him. They traveled with him, and his uh, and wife and two daughters. And, and the pastor introduced them and said, now the three girls with Harry Butts will get up and sing for us. And he didn't have a clue what he had said. I am way more closely connected with people in the Bible who made mistakes than I am with people who did not make mistakes. Way more connected with them. There are people in the Bible that says they were perfect and upright before the Lord, and that's all it says. And there's a reason why God said that way. Because you can't learn anything from that. You really can't. But who did God highlight in the Bible? People like David that had great highs and tremendous lows. That's the human experience. Those kind of people that had to be restored and restoration had to come into their life. Those kind of people are the kind of people that you learn by and you learn from. How it works in my life when this service is over be a little different today since we got the baptism, but 99% of the time, we wa I walk out of this door, I walk back to my office, and from there I walk down this south hallway to get to my truck. And about the time I get about halfway down the south of that hallway, here's the words that I hear. You're stupid. Won't you just quit? You're not a real pastor. Or you wouldn't have said something like that. Won't you just quit? Restoration has to happen. I'm telling you, I do not have a lot of gifts that other people have. I don't look like any pastor that you know of. One guy said, really? I thought you was a wrestler. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not. Again, the people in the Bible that failed, that had real failings in their life, I think those are the people that we as 99.99% of Americans, we and people for that fact, can learn something from. I look at King David, the first man to see a UFO, an unclad female object, <laughs> and he failed. And there had to be restoration in his life. I look at Simon Peter who cursed and denied Jesus three times. And I'll grant you this. Do you think that after he was forgiven of that, that he went around denying Jesus all the rest of his life? Anybody, you think that? Of course not. I'm going to throw this in as well. You think he went around cursing all the days of his life? Of course not. Ephesians chapter 4, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt to deceitful lust. Philippians chapter 1, let your conversation be as it becomes the good news of Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 4, be an example to others in your conversation. Well, preacher, I just can't keep from it. You know, I'm, I'm Irish and I'm redheaded and I've just got every excuse under the sun why when I get mad, it just bleep, 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 bleep. 
I just can't do it. Well, see, now you're foul-mouthed and a liar. Because God would not have commanded us to live a certain way if it was impossible for us to do it. Here's what I believe. I believe when you kick the can, if there's milk in the can, that's what comes out is milk. Like if you got Diet Mountain Dew in the can, when you kick the can, what comes out, Diet Mountain Dew. I think there's too much stuff that's being implanted within us instead of this right here. If it was this right here you was majoring on, you wouldn't be cussing everybody out. Well, I just can't do it. That's just how I was raised. It's just how I was brought up. This is just my lifestyle. Hey, God says we can get victory over that. Again, I don't think Simon Peter went his whole life denying Jesus every other day, and I don't think he went around cussing everybody out every other day. You've heard me say it before. If you're meaner than a junkyard dog with AIDS, you ain't saved. Because once a person gets born again, good works will follow. Amen. Thomas doubted. Gideon was a coward. They had to be restored. Those of you that look words up in your, what do they call it? Oh, yeah, it's called a computer. Uh, In your computer, uh, I've got something over on you when I look things up in the dictionary. Because I've, I've done this countless, t- numerous times to where I'll be looking for a word in the dictionary and then I'll find out that the word above it and the word below it, and I guess people look things up in your computer, what, you know, you can't, uh, and I know I'm talking like, you know, I'm, I'm a, a caveman right now, but uh, I got an Apple computer. Now wait, where am I going with this? Here's what it is. I looked up the word restore. Restore, to repair, to bring back to its original form. Well, then I noticed the word above, restore. Restive. Restive means this, not willing to go forward. And then I looked the word that's underneath restore was restrain, not Willing to go forward. Restive. Or, uh, just, see there, I made my point. There it is. Mess up every service. Restive is not willing to go forward. Restrain, not able to go forward. Restive, not willing to go forward. Restrain, not able to go forward. There are some people, for whatever reason in your life, you think that it's never going to happen for you. You think that somebody else could get restored and be where God wants them to be, but not me. And then there are others that say, and are not willing for that to happen. And probably many of them, it's because of P-R-I-D-E, pride with I right in the middle. You're not willing to be restored. And others, it's like you're being held back from being restored, maybe by a person or something in your life. 
Years ago, I seen this coming down, uh, going down Broadway. As a matter of fact, I was a junior in high school and seen this first time. And then later on, God reminded me of this again after I was pastoring this church. The Presbyterian Church there in Mount Vernon with that etching of Jesus in them stones. How many have seen that? Most have seen that. And I'd seen that a thousand times in my life. And I drove by that time and the Spirit just dropped this in my heart. The one block that's different than all the other blocks is right there at the feet. It's like it all changes at Jesus' feet. Everything changes at Jesus' feet. When we're willing to be restored, when we're willing to bow at his feet. These restoration and, and uh, shows that you see on TV to where the husband and wife, it's, it's never they're equally excited about being their house restored. Never are they equally excited. Nine times out of 10, the wife's just overjoyed and bubbling and, oh, and, the, and the husband's like, now what's that gonna cost? What's And there's always a price tag with being restored. We've got a picture here. I want to show that. We'll jump to that right now. That is a 41 Ford convertible owned by Jim Shane, who attends the Centralia branch. Now, let's see another picture. That's the same vehicle, the 41 Ford convertible that he spent two years restoring. It cost him $14,000 to restore it. But after he restored it, he sold it for $42,000. Sorry, honey, I don't know how to do anything like that. It was 18 years it was disassembled. Remember that, and I'll get back to that. Usually restoration has to happen after a person has stumbled and have fell. How many's ever fell on the ice? What do you do? Cry. Somebody said, look around. Get up. Get up real quick. I mean, I mean, I may have to have help getting up here from this. I'll do it over here from this younger crowd over here. You can help me get up. Once you stumble and you fall, more times than not, you're going to wind up to work like this. I've fallen and I can't get up. Here's what we are prone to do. The moment we stumble and fall, as 
fast as we possibly can, and that's going to be different from different people, but as fast as we possibly can, we want to jump back up. Hopefully, nobody's seen us fall, but I've got a clue for you. There is a position that we need to stay in and maybe even ponder why we've stumbled and fell. Instead of, get right back up. Get right back up. Maybe that's not the best answer. Maybe it is to stay here for a while. And Lord, why is it that I fail? What caused that to happen? Oh, you got to get right back up. It might be more to our advantage to stay in this position for a while. And Lord, help me not to fall again. Help me not to fall again. Wait a minute. I'm good. <laughs> Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Bible says that the man went down to Jericho and he fell. Why did the good Samaritan help him when the other people did not? It could have been that the good Samaritan had fell himself in times past. And the priest comes along and he's not willing to help. And the Levite comes along and not willing to help. And it could be that they didn't see him fall. They happened upon him after he had already fallen. And he's already fall, and now he's, they're thinking, oh, well, that guy, he likes living like that. She likes her life always being in a mess. I knew that happened to them. You know what we need to do sometimes? Shut up. Because the good Samaritan comes along and he is more than willing to even reach in his own pocket and help this guy get back up. One more verse. Book of Luke chapter 13. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Just like Jim Shane's car, 18 years. And she was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called to her and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was, we could say, restored and glorified God. Thank God. Thank God. Every one of us from time to time, even as a Christian person, there are times that we've got to be restored. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, restoration in its fullest sense happens to you today by you asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for another time to be able to share your wonderful word with your people. And God, I am praying as you prepare the heart of every person that's here, 
God, what you want to be accomplished today, Lord, let that happen and let people realize, dear God, that they have a part to play in that. If we are to be restored, we need to be willing to be restored. And I am believing, God, that's going to happen to people here this morning. Touch the hearts of every person. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please, please keep your head bowed. I don't do this very often, but today I feel like that I should. If you're here this morning, and you know your heart, I don't have to come back and try to pull, the, pull you up here and tear the buttons off your, off your shirt. I don't try to, I don't do that. I don't manipulate people. This is a decision between you and Jesus. But if you're here this morning and you know by the Spirit of God, He's knocking. He's knocking on your heart. If that describes you today and you want Jesus to be your Savior, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand high enough to where I can see it. For anybody here, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Those, and I've seen three and there could have been more. Those that raised their hand, if they would, I want them to take the time to come forward right now because I want to pray with you. Come forward right now. And one was up in the balcony. There's two here on the main floor. Thank you. Who was the other? Was there, there was another. Come on, I want to pray with you. Thank God. Restoration in its fullest sense begins at the feet of Jesus Christ. Just like that God dropped in my heart years ago. Come right on, sis. Anybody else? Restoration, thank God for it. Restoration in its fullest sense happens when we ask Jesus Christ to be our Savior. And from then on, there's going to be days and times in our life to when we're going to fall. And we're going to have to ask, Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm before you right now. Clean me up as your child. I want to be close to you. But thank God, restoration in its biggest, fullest sense happens when we ask Jesus to be our Savior. Thank God. Thank God. What I want to do, I want to pray. And I want you two to pray. Just pray what I pray. God has already done the big part. That cross up there. Jesus Christ died upon a cross 2,000 years ago so that we could be born again. He's done the big part. All we've got to do is say, I believe that. I trust in that salvation. So let's do that today, okay? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bow before you now. I know I've sinned, and I am sorry. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of those sins. I know you died on the cross. I know you rose again. You did that because you loved me. I accept that love. I accept that forgiveness. In Jesus' name, thank you for saving me this day. Amen. Now, I want to pray for both of you, okay? What's your name? Steve, what's your name? Leslie. Father, now... I ask and pray, dear God, for these two, for Steve, also for Leslie. God, I ask and pray, Lord, that you would place a real assurance in their heart today, this coming week, knowing, Lord, that you have saved them. Lord, that their name is written in heaven. 
Lord, you've given them salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, let that joy bubble up within them this week. Don't let the devil steal what you've given them. They have received this joyfully this day because you love us and you care for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, proud of you, Steve. Proud of you. Proud of you, sis. Proud of you. Hey, you has got a Bible? Have you got a Bible? You got a Bible? Okay. Okay. Hey, you made my day. Steve, you made my day. Leslie, was that it? Bless you. Bless you. Hey, two people today that said yes to Jesus Christ, Steve and also Leslie. The Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Thank God. Thank God. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.